Well, hello, hello, and welcome on into the Glenn Merzer Show. Yes, we keep this thing going to fill your heads with all kinds of plant propaganda, right? Uh, it's not propaganda, I think, if it actually works and is true. So we love that. We got Glenn back. And I'm going to introduce you to Glenn in just one second. First, I want to make sure that you find out everything that you can about Glenn. Go to realmanyplants.com, click on the podcast. There you're going to find out all about Glenn. You can hit the support button as well to help the podcast out. Make sure you like and subscribe to the pod today. Visit the YouTube channel and all of that kind of good stuff and find Glenn everywhere on social media. Okay, so we continue our journey of talking all things plant-based with author, screenwrite, playwright, comedian, and now, of course, a podcast host. Here is Glenn Mercer. Thank you, Rich. And all those other things I've done were just stepping stones to being a podcast host, which was always the goal from the beginning. It's just they hadn't invented podcasts yet. Um, our, our special guest today is Anthony Massiello who is the co-founder and CEO of Plant-Based Telehealth. And he'll tell us all about that later. But first, welcome, Anthony. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Rich. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be here with you guys. And, um, um, and I, I didn't know that this was your original calling, Glenn, but that, that's... This, uh, this was that, it. That, I that. wanted to be a podcast host when I was a child, but nobody had invented the world word podcast. So I'm I didn't know what to do. catching up with you. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it meant something. I was going to be in some kind of uh, science fiction movie. I didn't know what it was. So um, you've lost a lot of weight, haven't you, Anthony? How much weight have you lost? I have a, a lot of... Uh, um, I, I lost 160 pounds 160. Um, in about 20 months with switching to a whole food plant-based diet. And, you know, I mean, that's the, the short version of it. The, the thing that other people will know, and I'm sure you, you recognize, is all the things I gained through that process, which was my health, um, getting, rid of, getting off medications and all kinds of other health conditions that came along with um, getting healthy, which is what helped shed the weight. All right. Well, whatever you do. Do not yep. lose another 160 pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> you would be hard to see. Yeah. Um, so uh, how did you do it? How did you lose the 160 pounds? Yeah, well, um, you know, like, like, like many people, I was obese for most of my life. And I had a couple of defining moments that really helped me to realize that I needed to do something different. And the, the, the real big one that kind of woke me up was when my wife was pregnant with our second son, I went for a 20 year term life insurance policy and um, I was denied. And it wasn't denied necessarily because I was obese, but I was denied because I was obese. I was on medication for high blood pressure. I had high cholesterol. I had just been diagnosed with sleep apnea. I had migraine headaches every week, the kind that would, you know, send me home from work and just to hide out in a dark room to, until it went mm -hmm. away. I had eczema on my fingers, psoriasis on the back of my neck. And I guess by the time you put all of these things together, um, this insurance company who I was trying to get a policy from said bad bet. And I was only 33 years old and having someone tell me I wasn't going to live to 53 or in more important terms as I'm becoming a father, someone's telling me that I'm not going to be there to see my kid turn 20 or maybe my kid not turn 18. You know, they don't give you a number 
They just say, we're, you're, we, we don't expect you to make it 20 years. They didn't, I didn't know if that was five years, 10 years, 15 years, 19 years, you know, who knows what, who knows what that meant, but it was scary. It was super scary. Yeah. And so, uh, what did you, what did you do when you had that scare? Yeah. The, the, the most important thing that that scare did was it forced me to take a really careful look at what my life was really like. And, um, and when I did, I wasn't that happy with what I saw. You know, um, the, the fact of being obese, living at, you know, at, at the weight I was, I was 360 pounds. I'm six foot four. So I'm six foot four, 360 pounds. I take up a lot of space, which also means I don't fit in a lot of cars. I don't fit in airplane seats. You know, I, I don't fit in I, at my job where we go into meetings and conference rooms and they would inevitably have a whole bunch of armchairs around a table. But I didn't fit in armchairs. You know, I had a 54 inch waist and uh, that was below the belly, you know. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I would look for these like a stack of chairs in the corner that they often had in case extra people came into the room, you know, you could always mm -hmm. pull down a couple chairs. And I would try to get to a meeting early and I would take one of those and replace one of the armchairs and I would go sit in that, you know, before. So, so there were, a, it was really affecting my life. It was much more than how I looked or, or even how I felt. It was really impacting, um, quality of life. And that was, um, you know, uh, it, it was, it was enough to make me want to change. Sure. And what, what did it do to you psychologically? Did you, did you find yourself thinking, how come I can't be like the slender people? Uh, you know, yeah, how I mean, come I can't be at a normal weight? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was, I mean, to this day, I'm jealous of people who could eat whatever they want and not gain weight, you know, and growing up, I had a really close example. That was my brother. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my brother and I lived the same lifestyle. We, we ate the same foods. Um, I may have craved foods a little bit more than him. I may have overeaten a little bit, but it, we were in the same ballpark. It's not like I was eating junk all day and he was eating salads, right? Mm -hmm. But he stayed slim and I gained weight. You know, so some, something, there was some kind of um, disconnect, you know, to, you know, or something, something where mm -hmm. I was different. And psychologically, to your question, what that does is that it, once we believe something, I've learned this since the fact, once I believed that I was overweight, then I started acting in a way that was overweight. And I start, it becomes almost a filter on how I believe people see me. And it stopped me from doing things that, that other normal kids would do. Like, I wouldn't want to be the one in the front of the class, standing up in front of the class. I wouldn't want to be you know, asking a girl to go couple skate, you know, at the roller rink on, because mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, who, you know, who wants to, who wants to do these things with me, you know? Right. Show us what you look like at 360. I know you have a um, picture. I have two. a couple pictures. This is, this is me, um, with my son, Evan. This mm -hmm. is about the time I was denied that insurance policy. This is my older son, Evan, who was uh -huh. probably about a year in this picture, maybe just a tiny bit more. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is me again with Evan sitting down here. Um, I kept may I may have kept these pants. I kept a pair of pants. Oh. This is this is me smiling. You know, getting ready to blow out the candles on my birthday cake. You can kind of see it down here. Um, uh huh. It looks like there were Reese's pieces lined up in there that said "Happy Birthday." Uh, 
<laughs> you can't really see the cake. But, um, you know, I, I have smiles, uh, you know, like many, many overweight people, you know, I have smiles. But um, I look at myself in this picture, and I think it's a little bit more reflective of how I actually felt. Uh-huh. You know, uh, I'm kind of thinking, you know, like, I almost wonder what I don't remember this moment. Um, but uh, I almost wonder what was going on, what kind of thoughts were going on in my head at this time, because I did a lot of kind of deep thinking and reflecting. And uh, to the point of things you sent, like, you know, almost like, why me? Do you feel that you were a different person then than you are now? Yes. Um, I feel like I've grown quite a bit. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into how, how this change happened, but um, accomplishing, accomplishing things or being successful at something does change a person. And it changed me. I mean, it was a tremendous boost of confidence. And if, you know, by the time you, once or twice you do something that people say are, is impossible, you know, you start to feel pretty good. And that, that lens of how I used to hold myself back, you know, has faded. And now I'm pretty quick to put myself out there and try new things and, and kind of go for it in, in all areas of life that include, you know, my, my person, you know, recreation, my personal life, my life with my family, my career, you know, doing everything, just kind of having this kind of, I can do it, go, let's go get it um, attitude. So it was tremendous growth. So you've grown as you've shrunk. Yes. <laughs> um, exactly. And, uh, so tell us what you discovered, how you discovered it in order to lose the weight. Yeah, so so I didn't know what to do. I just knew that I had to do something. So um, I was already vegetarian because back in the 90s, uh, 1994, actually January 1994, I someone told me, they said, well, why don't you give up alcohol and give up meat and maybe you'll get healthier, maybe you'll lose some weight. And you know what, I did. But back then, you know, going vegetarian in the 90s, I pretty much ate vegetable stir fry all the time, you know, which is pretty healthy, you know. So I did lose weight. And more importantly, I felt good. And it was probably a combination of giving up alcohol, you know, stop drinking any alcohol and also eating um, a pretty healthy vegetarian diet. But it didn't take more than maybe a year or so before, you know, the cheese pizzas started creeping back in, the French fries started creeping back in, um, the candy bars, the, uh, you know, the bagels with egg and cheese bagels, sandwiches for breakfast, you know, like that, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I didn't have a hard enough line on what I, what was, what I did and didn't eat. I said vegetarian, which cuts out meat, you know, cuts out one thing, right? But it leaves a whole world of other things. So, so the weight came back. Um, and when it, you and cut out, excuse more. me, when you cut out uh, meat, Anthony, were you eating more cheese or more eggs? Not in the things? beginning, but eventually I did eat more because I grew bigger as a vegetarian than I ever was even before I went vegetarian. Wow. You know, maybe I was up to like three twenty or three twenty-five. Then maybe I went down to about two eighty, two eighty-five, something like that. And I felt great about myself at 285, but then, then I came back up and, and then starting a career and, and being a little more still not moving as much. Um, 
then getting married, then having kids, you know, brought me, you know, to the point where I was sedentary all the way up to 360 pounds, even though I was still vegetarian, but mm -hmm. there was plenty of room for like Ben and Jerry's ice cream and pizzas and, you know, all of these other unhealthy foods that enabled me to be just as big, just right. without so, having to So you were having plenty of dairy as a vegetarian. Yes. And, yeah. and that's why really the vegetarian diet, which allows dairy and eggs doesn't really get you, food, you and know? processed foods. It doesn't really get you anywhere. It doesn't. And the, the whole idea of excluding one food group, you know, that's why I think, I mean, I also now consider myself vegan for, for a whole bunch of reasons, but I feel like going vegan alone doesn't necessarily equal health because again, excluding, you know, meat and dairy, you know, it gives you a, a pretty good chance unless you just, you know, load it up with all of the, you know, the non-dairy varieties that, that are about the same nutritional makeup as the, as the dairy ice cream or the dairy mm. cheese or as the meat burgers or as the meat hot dogs and all of that right. and the deep fried foods and all that stuff. All the, all the fake meats and fake dairy that's made with coconut oil. <laughs> it's, yeah. ju it's just as deadly as the, as the dairy. Yeah. So, um, so I was, so I was vegetarian and I guess back to your question, I don't want to, I don't want to miss that. So I started searching, okay, how am I going to lose weight? And so I searched for vegetarian weight loss and this was, this was in 2005, um, going into two, towards the end of 2005, 2006, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to set a new year's resolution in the year of 2006, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And, um, I'm going to give up sweets and I'm going to give up sodas. And my plan was to give up sweets, give up sodas, and then to, um, watch what I ate, you know, otherwise, or try to, which to me means try to stay hungry all the time, eat less. Right. So I did that for a couple of months, January and February. I didn't eat any sweets. I didn't drink any sodas. And, um, I kept myself hungry all the time and I didn't lose any weight. Hmm. So, so I kept searching and that's where, this is the point where I, where I went Googling because I was still so determined. Like I had to, I had to do this. This, I was scared. Right. And I searched vegetarian weight loss and Dr. Furman's book, eat to live pops up on Amazon. And when you look at it, the cover of the book, it said, this is the first edition. It said, um, fast and sustained weight loss. I was like, well, that sounds pretty good. you right. That's. That's what I'm looking for. But then even better than that, I read all the comments and in all the comments, no one talked about weight loss. Everyone talked about getting healthy. And it was like, it hit me like an epiphany moment. I was like, wow, I don't really want to lose weight. What I really want to do is I want to be healthy so that I can be an active part of my kids' lives, that I can be there with them growing up and know that I'm going to be there with them for a long time. I want to be healthy. I don't want to just lose the weight, but, but in the comments, if anyone did mention weight loss, they said, basically you get healthy. And one of the side effects of getting healthy is if you do have excess weight that you will lose it. So I bought the, so I bought his book right away. All right. And then how did you change your diet as a result? Yeah, I just did. I literally did exactly what it said. I didn't know anything. Um, I'm lucky that I didn't have social media back then. 
I didn't have that many resources available. I mean, we had the internet, we had Amazon. This is back in 2005, but we did not have Instagram. We did not have Facebook. We didn't even have MySpace and all those things back then. So I just stayed on my own. I read that book. I did exactly what it said, which I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, but then I just kept getting better and better at it as I went through. And I continued, I reread the book and then I would go on to Dr. Furman's website and I would just read the success stories. And I would read about other people who've done it. So that was my whole ecosystem at the time. I was just like in that world, that's it. This is all I know about and this is all I'm doing. And, and sure enough, in the first two months, I lost over 30 pounds. And then that mm -hmm. was like, wow, you know, I was like, well, this works, right? Then you, then I started telling myself, this works. This is great. I'm going to do it, right? I continued, continued, continued. Um, by December of 2006, remember I had that goal of losing 50 pounds for the year. By December, I lost 90 pounds. So I completely blew away my goal of losing 50 pounds for the year, right? And um, so I was excited um, to... I was just excited about what I was doing and I just kept trying to get better at it. So for those who aren't familiar with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Dr. Furman, what is the Furman protocol? What were you eating? So vegetables, beans, fruit, nuts, and seeds, not too many nuts and seeds and avoid everything else. Mm -hmm. So you avoid all processed food. You avoid all meat. You avoid all dairy. It's essentially a vegan, whole food, plant-based diet is what it's commonly referred to as today. But it talks about the healing power of like, of getting all of these macronutrients, right? So, so what we want to do is we want to get all of these nutrients that come from all of these plant foods and a wide variety of them. We want all kinds of lettuces. We want all kinds of tomatoes, carrots, onions, different types of onions, garlic, um, all kinds of beans and lentils and and you know you want to eat all of this stuff so that your body has all these nutritional elements the way i would think about it back then is i just need to put these things in my body so that my digestive system can take them apart and basically it puts all these little healing pieces out into my bloodstream and then my body's going to pick up what it needs and it's going to fix everything you know if i if i think about it in in oversimplified terms and that's what i felt like was happening you know, my body, which I felt better than ever. I got off all my medications in a couple of months. What um, for what sorts of conditions? I was medicated primarily for um, high blood pressure and for migraine headaches. Um, and the, the migraine, migraine headaches headache stopped. The migraine headaches stopped. And the, they're the kind of things that when they stop, you don't really notice when they stop. Like people ask, did that stop in a month or six months? Truth, I don't know. You know, I just realized I haven't been getting headaches. You know, it, it's like it, it's kind of one of those things that you just realize after the fact. But um, the medication for high blood pressure had to be managed very carefully. My doctor wanted to see me every week and I had to log my blood pressure three times a day. And when I woke up in the morning, I had to write it down. When I came home from the work in the afternoon, I, I wrote it down. And then when I went to bed at night, I wrote it down. And then she would look at my log every week and she would decide I was on a couple different medications. So she would decide whether to reduce dosage or to keep it the same for a little while or to remove one medication or not. But it just took a matter of a couple of months and I was completely off the medications and my blood pressure was now ideal. 
um, even without any medication. And I just kept writing it down, you know, three times a day, because then it became kind of fun to check my blood pressure. Like, it's good to see good news when you, when you do something like that. I still have my cup and I check it every once in a while and it's fantastic. Well, but it's so much fun. <laughs> why not see it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what what did your doctor say when she sees, it's a she, right? Yeah, she. When, Dr. when she Paul, sees yeah. your remarkable weight loss and uh, and your weight, your blood pressure she, results. She honestly was just so happy for me. And she had told me after the fact, you know, so, so this is only halfway through. This is only at my 90 pound mark of losing this 160 that we're talking about so far at, at this December time period. But even by then, she was talking about how I was becoming one of her more healthy patients. And by the end, she said I went from one of her least healthy patients to one of her most healthy patients. And that's good news for someone like myself also, because growing up my whole life, every time I went to the doctor, you know, I got the same message. You should lose weight. You should lose weight. You know, half the time the doctor was overweight and telling me to, that I should lose weight. So nobody really could tell me how to do it or what to mm-hmm. do about it. They just, you know, would... It, it was never good news. So it sounds like your doctor had empathy. She's a nice person and was yeah. happy for you. And was open-minded and wasn't, you know, wasn't, you know, no, there was never any kind of doubt or anything. She wasn't, you know, criticizing or, or, or critiquing what I was doing. She just said, hey, it's working for you. Continue. But she had never suggested doing this, had she? Correct. Yeah. Not, not and- to me anyway. And do you know if she now suggests to her she patients? May have afterwards. She's, she's moved out of the area. That's how she stopped oh. becoming my doctor. So I haven't okay. seen her in, in years. Because that's um, what I, w- I always so. wonder about. I mean, you, you go to med school, you go for four years, you become an intern, you go through this really often hellish training to become a doctor. It's not easy. And along the way, they don't teach you anything about nutrition. Yeah. And then you start medicating your patients, you know, doing it according to the standard of care without ever learning the most basic thing in the world, yeah. which is how to eat like a human being so that you're healthy. Right. And then I think there's often cognitive dissonance when these doctors see patients get healthy the way you did by eating like a human being, by eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. And they often, sometimes they're hostile to it. Sometimes, like this doctor, they have empathy and they're happy for you. She was supportive. She was supportive. Right, they're supportive. But do they go the next step, which is to do their job correctly and tell people to eat this way? And so so few of them do that, but that's... What we're going to get to when we talk about plant-based telehealth, because that's your exactly. new career. So tell yeah. us about. So so we'll, we'll, I'll tell you briefly that that like yeah. I am so honored and incredibly humbled to work with the doctors who I do at plant-based telehealth because they're doing exactly the opposite of what you described. Like right. they are the ones who are out there truly advocating for the patients and 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 kind of getting them out of that broken medical system and helping patients to really feel good and to heal and to elevate their quality of life, health, wellness, and longevity. So um, that's what's that's what's so exciting to me now about 
plant-based telehealth. So, so after changing my own, you know, health, of course, I want to help other people to do the same. And this is mm -hmm. what I feel like is the, is the best way I can, I can yeah. do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, to our listeners out there who, who may be wondering why I, I don't have any degree in, in medicine or nutrition. Um, and, and yet I'm, I'm the host of a show based around health, um, you know, plant-based nutrition, why I have the nerve to do that. And my answer is, why do doctors have the nerve to talk to patients about nutrition when they've never studied it? You know, whenever I write a book on nutrition, I have to put in a disclaimer in the beginning that says, uh, please discuss... Um, before you make any dietary change, changes, please discuss this with your doctor. And I, you know, I, f I feel like I have to have my fingers crossed when I write that because I don't really mean it because if they discuss it with their doctor, their doctor isn't going to know a damn thing 99% of the time because, you know, I mean, when you study to be a plumber, you got to study plumbing. And then you, you get a certificate or something and, you know, or you study to be an architect, you learn something about load bearing systems. You study to be a doctor and they don't teach you the most basic thing that affects human health, which is nutrition. They should be ashamed yeah, well, of their, themselves in the yeah. medical community. And it's the medical system. And, and I myself, I've worked in healthcare my entire career. Um, yeah. Started at the National Institutes of Health doing uh, on the Human Genome Project, doing research, basic, you know, fundamental yeah. um, microbiology um, research to try to understand how the human body works at that molecular level. And then I moved into pharmaceutical research, and I was very proud of that taking that step because I was coming closer to actually being able to help people by developing new therapies right that that would actually you know maybe help to better manage or, or control disease states in people the whole time i was there i was the sickest i've ever been that's a, the i was working there at the time that i was diagnosed i mean that i was denied that life insurance policy myself and then i get myself well and i get off of all the medications and now i i also had these feelings of um well what what am i doing here now you know what why now most of the work I'm doing is just to enable people to not take care of themselves. Right. And, and the problem is, is that when you, when you reduce your markers or when you control your risk factors with medication, it doesn't always lead to a, an improved quality of life. It doesn't lead to those empowering feelings that I was describing a little bit before of that feeling of confidence from actually doing something for yourself and taking care of yourself. And it also doesn't lead to all of the other physiological benefits of getting healthy from the inside out, right? right. So we can control someone's blood sugar and blood pressure with a medication. We can control blood sugars with a medication. We can control cholesterol with a medication, but we don't create a system where the body's now moving into a state of, of, of healing, of, of optimization that makes right. me also want to become a runner. And want to spend all right. my time on my mountain bike and want to jump rope with my kids when I see them on right. the driveway. It make, makes me want to chase the basketball when it goes rolling away from the basket rather mm -hmm. than being one of the people who stands back and goes and, and says to the kids, oh, go get the ball. Right. right. Like, no, I want to I want to race them for it. You know, I want to chase them to get it. I want to be, you know, be there and be active. And and that's the benefit that comes from 
creating this environment in your body where it heals itself and it starts to work so so much better and so so i agree with you you know i i that's how why i opted out of that traditional system and that's why i look to um change careers and to figure out how i could help to better empower people but but when, in the schools they're just teaching with the toolkit they don't have this they don't have this tool system yet of nutrition right. they don't believe they don't understand what it can do so they know what the drugs can do so they teach the doctors how to work with the, the you know the available tools which are right. you know medications and drugs and procedures right. so it's unfortunate it is i believe it's shifting you know we've got the american college of lifestyle medicine that's a huge advocate we've got other advocates who are going into medical schools and talking directly to the doctors and it's going to take time to change and i think that's where it's a little tricky for us as kind of innovators and you know and people who have been doing this for 40 50 years longer than me um who have been kind of laying this groundwork it's just we're, we're early and but i do believe that change is coming and I'm well, well let me let me ask rich because rich has also had health improvements from going on a plant plant exclusive diet a healthy plant exclusive diet because rich had had some mini strokes and he discovered this diet and now he's lost a lot of weight and gotten healthy rich when you deal with doctors have they been welcoming your change and showing any curiosity in your diet and maybe changing the way they practice medicine? Absolutely not. And it's actually kind of shocking, you know, um, because they, they just gloss over it like like you're talking Chinese or something to them. Um, I mean, it they, they don't really want to listen to it. I don't know if they even have the time to listen to it while they're there. Um, and so you basically, they just gloss over it and think like, okay, if, if that works for you, what, what the hell's the difference? Um, and it, they, they basically move on. But I, I, it's like in one ear and, and out the other because they, they have remarked like, wow, okay, you're, you're down 40 pounds and you know, wow, your, your blood pressure is way better. And wow, you know, and, and how, you know, they, I've had one ask me, well, how did you do it? And when I told her how I did it, she was like, eh, that was <laughs> not interested. No interest at all. Yeah, yeah, not, not interested. It's so, just astonishing yeah. to me. Well, you and, know, and, you know, and we've had conversations, uh, you know, a lot of doctors think that they can't get their patients to do it. So they think that it's a waste of time to talk about it because they don't think that they can convince anyone to do it. But the thing is, I, I think you're kind of selling people short. If, if you could... Tell them the benefits first, up front. Hey, how would you like to feel how Anthony's feeling? How would you like to be the one that's chasing the ball with your kids rather than not? Now, you're not talking about the things that you're giving up. You're talking about the things that you're going to gain, the benefits to you. And now I think people actually listen to that kind of stuff because people love to hear what's in it for them. And I, I just think that's human nature. And I don't know why it doesn't start there. Here's the benefits. Let's talk about well, the, 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 the actual benefits. And then don't try to sell it as, oh, you're going to have to give up meat and you're going to have to give up dairy. You're going to gain all these things. And believe it or not, as soon as you give up meat and dairy, you're not going to miss it anyways. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just, they, you know. Doctors have a moral obligation to learn the science, first of all. And all the science, all of it, 100% of it, shows that this is the optimal diet, a plant-exclusive, low-fat, whole-foods diet. There is, there's just no serious debate on it if you know the science. And then once they accept the moral obligation to learn the science, then they have a moral obligation to inform their patients of it. And then if the patient 
chooses cheeseburgers over his own life, well, that's the patient's problem. But but to not inform people, and then they you know they get the, their chest cut open and a vein from their leg cut into, you know, it's just crazy. And and I think my my feelings about the medical profession were crystallized during COVID, because COVID discriminated against people who eat the standard American diet. COVID targeted the obese, people with high blood pressure, people with inflammation, people with type 2 diabetes. It was killing them. It wasn't killing us. And I'm putting it in the past tense, but it's still to an extent with us. And I would watch the news and I would see doctors who, God bless them, were working 24-hour shifts doing anything they could, you know, to save lives, working as hard as they could. Often those doctors themselves were overweight or obese, and they were knocking themselves out to try to save other overweight and obese people. And some of those doctors lost their lives. And if they had just done their jobs correctly in the first place, we wouldn't have had so many overweight and obese people dying. But they were, you know struggling to catch up. They were fighting people who were dying unnecessarily from, from a disease that was targeting them because they were unhealthy. And, uh, you know, so I, I give them praise for working so hard to save lives during COVID, but I don't give the medical profession high marks because we are the fattest, sickest society in human history. And if they were doing their jobs correctly, we wouldn't be. And so I think, you know, I don't have this attitude that all doctors have to be revered. They're doing a lousy job in general, and so we need to critique them. Now, on the other hand, there are some wonderful doctors out there who practice plant-based health, and Anthony works with some of them. So, Anthony, tell us about how you founded Plant-Based Telehealth and the kind of doctors you work with. Yeah, so so I would... so. I left my career at Novartis and I just was exploring what what's missing in our space. And I know some incredible coaches and some incredible educators and some incredible advocates who are out there um, who are helping people to understand the healing powers of changing your lifestyle and whole, and using whole food plant-based nutrition. And I would go to these conferences and meetings and sometimes it was four people in a church basement. And sometimes it was 2000 people in a, you know, in a conference hall, right? But almost the same thing happens every single time. You have a doctor, a pioneer who's on the stage and they're sharing the science, exactly what you're describing. And they're talking about how people can get better towards the end of their talk. They show some, um, some before and after pictures or some pictures of some patients of testimonials and their patients have either, um, they've, uh, they're managing their multiple sclerosis they've uh, you know they're controlled or put their lupus into remission they've reversed heart disease they've reversed diabetes they've lost weight they've done all these incredible things and are living vibrant lives just like what we're talking about right and then they go to q a and someone from the audience raises their hand and says hello my name is so-and-so and i'm dealing with the same condition where can I find a doctor who can help me? And there was never a good answer to that question. 
I mean, can you travel? Can you fly out? Can you go to one of these health retreats and can you stay for a couple of weeks or months? Can you, uh, can you, or you happen to be, you know, in a location around the two or three life, you know, doctors who are practicing this kind of medicine were spread out across the country, or can you go travel there for a while? But, um, but there was no way for regular, you know, for common people to have easy access to a doctor who practices this kind of medicine. And I saw this over and over and I just thought, wow, this is what I believe this is what we need in our movement. And not everyone requires medical care, but the people who do don't stand a chance because even if you do find the right coach, or even if you do find the right book, you're not going to be as lucky as me and find a doctor who's going to not challenge what you're, what you're telling them. You know, if you go to your endocrinologist and you say, I'm going to manage my diabetes by eating a lot of, you know, high carbohydrate fruit and, and vegetables, the endocrinologist is, is going to tell you you're crazy and that that's not going to work. Right. And it's going to mess up your head. So I wanted everyone to have access to a doctor who practices what's called lifestyle medicine that is based in whole food, plant-based nutrition. And I knew a couple of doctors who were licensed in multiple states and I went looking into the technology. I mean, I worked in healthcare, but my background is computer science. So I started digging in to see what kind of platforms were out there. And in, um, when I started it in, when I started really digging into this in early 2019, all the pieces were there. This was like alignment of the stars. This is like the perfect storm. Like everything is there. People want doctors. Doctors want patients. The technology and the platform for them to interact over the internet now exists. And so, um, so I just started working on it and, and, uh, some people were calling me crazy in the beginning. They said, this is too big. How can one person start a big a national, you know, uh, medical, you know, what essentially looks like a national medical practice, you know, mm -hmm. how can somebody do that? You don't, you know, you've never ran a doctor's office before, you know, I, I heard it all, but luckily I had those, um, that experience of doing impossible things over and over and over. So, so I had the, at least the confidence and the will to try and, and I just, I just kept pushing and we finally got it launched in March of 2020, just as COVID was hitting. And I have a very small social media following. Maybe it'll grow a little bit after the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> but um, um, I announced about midnight on, I think it was March 23rd, that we were available in 13 states with more states to come. And by the time I, and then I went to sleep, you know, I was working till midnight almost every night, still am. But, um, and then when I woke up the next morning, I had heard from 20 people who wanted to be patients. And I was like, wow, like, that's exciting. And were they and, in those 13 states? Um, no, but they, uh -huh. but, but they were still encouraging to me. So some of them right. were, a couple of them were, we were able to schedule appointments. It was incredible, mm -hmm. right? I was, I was ecstatic. And I heard from 20 patients and I heard from 22 doctors who wanted to practice um, plant-based telehealth. These are doctors who I, who were already in my small network, who wanted to practice this kind of medicine, but didn't have a place to do it. So it, it just validated everything. And if anything, it just made me focus more and work even harder to get, to get this out there. So I partnered with some, some incredible physicians early on. Um, and we, we got it going. They, and they quickly grew to where they, 
We're seeing patients in all 50 states. And we had about four physicians. And then when their schedule started to get full, then we brought on some more. And as, as of today, we have 11 doctors. And we are, just because of some changes, we're, we're missing about three states. I think we're missing Rhode Island. We're missing Kansas. We're missing um, um, Washington, D.C. But, but those states will be coming, you know, they'll, they'll be coming back on um, within the next few months. And, and realize the mission which is to make sure that everyone has access to a doctor who practices the kind of medicine that you're talking about, you know, lifestyle medicine, because it's, we call, and it's lifestyle medicine because it's more than just nutrition. Nutrition is the cornerstone. I mean, we're called plant-based telehealth, but um, it also exercise matters and um, stress management, management matters and sleep patterns matter and social connections matter, and all of these other things are really what come together to make us into truly healthy and, and a people who can live a very, very, very high quality of life and can um, optimize wellness and, and um, you know, work towards a, a life of longevity. And so plant-based telehealth, how can people find it? Yeah, you literally go to plantbasedtelehealth.com. And when you go there, there, there are, you just have to pick, there's a, it's called find a doctor at the top. There's a little link you just put in your state and it shows you all the doctors who are licensed to see patients in your state. You can check their schedules and you just can book an appointment with them right there online. There are just two types of appointments. There's either a half hour appointment or a one hour appointment. Um, the doctors would always prefer a first appointment to be one hour because it gives them a lot more time to go into background and to um, to really get to know the patient, but we don't want to create that as a limitation. We want to also, if somebody isn't ready for a one-hour appointment or doesn't want to pay for a one-hour appointment, um, they're welcome to also schedule an initial visit of 30 minutes. In both cases, there's a lot of intake paperwork that the doctor reviews before they even see the patient, so they you will be at a good starting point by the time your call starts. And, you're, and when I say call, it's a video call. And uh, so you will see and speak with your doctor and you'll have a full half hour to discuss your condition, clarifying questions and to develop a, tr uh, a treatment plan to help you to reach your health goal. And the goals can be anything. They can be, I want to, um, maybe it's a, a type two diabetic who wants to get, get off of medication if possible. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe it's someone with high cholesterol who, who wants to control it without going on to medication. Um, maybe it's someone who's obese. Maybe it's someone with an autoimmune condition. Maybe it's someone who's already been whole food plant-based for 20 years, but for some reason their cholesterol is still high and they don't know, is that even a risk factor for me? You know, the doctors have access. They can assign lab tests at either Quest or LabCorp anywhere in the country, and they can measure other risk factors and they can tell you if you having high cholesterol is actually a risk factor for dark heart disease or not in your specific case. You know, we can read these things in books and we can see videos, but at that point it's guessing, but these doctors can do the diagnosis on the individual to say, look, your cholesterol is generically high, but all of your other markers are ideal. And that probably doesn't mean that, th that probably means that this is not a high risk for you for heart disease, right, right. you know, and, and I'm just saying that as a scenario, but these are the kinds of things that they really dig into with the patients. It's, it's real ongoing one-on-one -on -one medical care. It's not, it's not a generic program. They're not trying to funnel everybody in. They're not just telling people give up meat and dairy and eat food. They're really getting very specific into very prescriptive treatment plans 
that involve nutrition and and, um, and everything else that's all the other lifestyle factors for wellness. And and have the insurance companies been cooperating? Are they covering these plant-based sessions? Some telehealth. They they do cover them sometimes. Um, how it works is the patients have to pay for the appointment at plant-based telehealth, and we're trying to keep it as affordable as possible. So it's $150 for a 30 minute appointment and it's $300 for a 60 minute. So it's the exact same rate. It's just whether it's a half hour or an hour. And after the appointment, the patient is given what's called a super bill. And the super bill is a receipt that includes all the doctor's information, their NPI number and, and their signature and all of that. It also includes all the diagnosis codes for the visits. And then it includes the treatment codes for the for the visits. So this is everything that you need to hand over to your insurance company to submit for reimbursement on your own. But what happens at that point is depends on the plan. Some people have a very high deductible. So even though it's covered, they're not going to get any benefit because they haven't met their deductible. Right. And other people have no out of network benefit. And these doctors are not in their network. So they're not but but um, other patients, it gets fully, you know, they get fully reimbursed their $150. We've had cases where the checks actually went to our office instead of to the patient. Oh, you just froze on us, So Anthony. we receive a check for $450 that covers three appointments oh. for a patient. So then we have to, right. you know, we deposit that and we and we send the check out to the patient to, to um, or we, we forward the check on to the patient so they get it. So we know for sure it works in some cases. We don't have enough information to say if it works for half the people or 10% of the people or 90% of the people, you know, we have to collect that information. Okay. So now, speaking of collecting information, are you trying, and this would be very difficult to do, I'm sure, and time consuming, but are you trying to track to any degree the success of your patients uh, who are having sessions with your doctors? Yes. We, we are, and the key word there is we're trying. So, so we don't have a perfectly structured system, but we are keeping, I mean, the doctors are keeping very accurate notes, and then they are keeping certain key data points into structured fields so that we can look across and that we can see. And our plan is we're still very much in data collection mode as far as that's regarded. I mean, we're in our, we've been around for two and a half years now, but we're still very early in our growth and adoption. And we would love to get the word out to more people and get more patients. But um, it's definitely our ambition is to be able to to show that X percent of, of diabetic patients, you know, go down to a normal A1C in four months or six months right. or something like that. Or or they reduce their insulin use from 100 units a day down to 15 units a day, you know, on average, you know, maybe on average, they go down to using 20% of the insulin that they'd otherwise have used. So, so we want to collect all those metrics. And that's going to be helpful at changing the healthcare system. Um, individuals care what happens to them, right? So we can share a single testimonial. And that's very helpful to people like myself, who, who was sick, right? Because I say, okay, well, if that person did it, then maybe I can do it. But when we want to change the system, we need to show, you know, hundreds or thousands of patients who have all done the same thing to really show that it's repeatable and that it's sustainable and that it works and that it lasts. Now, one of your physicians is is an icon of the plant-based movement, Dr. Michael Clapper. Is that right? Yes, he is. Tell, yep. tell us tell us about Dr. Clapper. 
yeah, Dr. Clapper's incredible. You know, I had the privilege of attending his um, 50 year celebration of him practicing medicine. He's pra been practicing medicine for 50 years as of this summer. And um, he's really seen it all. He's been a pioneer in the, in the field of using um, food as medicine um, for a long time and realizing that the unhealthy foods create this, um, basically this uh, disease state within the body and that you know eliminating those unhealthy foods and switching to the healing foods you you create the opposite environment in the body you create this healing environment in the body where the body can better take care of itself so he has like the best sayings in the world i can't remember them or like you know sometimes he's like it's the food it's always been the food you know he has he's uh you know but he's everywhere he's done so much for this movement he's actually teaching medical students um medical students while they're still in school so yes. that they understand the power of plant-based yeah. nutrition. And, and if you want an appointment with Dr. Clapper, you can go right to the website. He sees patients on Mondays and Wednesdays, and he's licensed in four states, New York, California, Florida, and Hawaii. And if you're in one of those states, you know, Dr. Clapper can, uh, he can, he can be your doctor. To, to get an appointment with Dr. Clapper at that reasonable rate strikes me as a bargain. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. And, and the other thing is, is that, you know, the, the 11 doctors at plant-based telehealth, we, they've got this community going now. So, uh, because they're all, and I, I, and this is not to take anything away from Dr. Clapper. They're all so incredible. Having done this now for all, all of them have been with us now for at least, um, eight months to a year, uh, a year. And they've been seeing patients, you know, week after week over that period of time. And, the knowledge and experience that they've gained from real clinical practice, you know, this is not academic or the theoretical knowledge that they're gaining. Like they're, they're practicing this and they're actually healing people every single day. And I mean, I, I would have the confidence to send, you know, my, my children, my wife, my mother, you know, to, to any of these doctors, because um, they not only are experts individually, but they get together twice per month and they discuss tricky cases and they learn from each other and they help each other. And they say, you know, have you seen something like this or, you know, who has experience with that? Or a patient asked me about some, some supplement that they weren't familiar with, or I've seen a patient where, where this is high, but all of these things are low, you know, what do you guys think? So they're, they're just, these conversations are just elevating the, the whole, uh, the whole level of medicine that's able to be practiced. And uh, it's really incredible to witness. I mean, I think you can probably tell how excited I am about it. But um, it just having any, like, just knowing that I have any small role in helping patients connect with any of these doctors, it just, I feel like I'm, uh, it's like a gift to the world. That, and, well, and it's, it's not a so small appreciate. role because you yeah. founded the company. You made it happen. Yeah. What are your ambitions for the company? How big can it get? Can we, can it, can it, change the face of medicine in this country? You know, I think it can change the face of medicine everywhere. Um, in addition to, so patients have been seen in every single one of the 50 U.S. states and 28 other countries around the world already wow. in two and a half years. So we don't have a high volume of patients. I mean, honestly, that's our thing. We need to get the word out there so people know, more people know about us. But they've already seen, so include the U.S., they've already seen patients in, 29 countries and all 50 of the U.S. states. So that 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 to me means it's working. We're working very hard now to optimize our operations and put our systems in place so that we can really scale it up 
And I don't think, so the first, the next first step is to get all of these doctors' schedules full. You know, some of them are only running at 25% or 50%. You know, they've got capacity to see many more patients. So we want to fill their schedules. And then I would hope by this time next year that maybe we have 20 doctors and well, with, with their schedules filled. Why not? I'll be ha I'd be happy to invite them all on my podcast. Great. And my millions of listeners will be there to, uh, awesome. to learn what they're doing. Yeah, and, and, and it's fantastic because you can even pick a topic. You can you can just say, hey, who wants to come on and talk about autoimmune conditions? Who wants to come on and talk about diabetes? Who wants to come on and talk about heart disease? Who wants to yeah. come on and talk about rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or right. or like you pick the condition and, and we'll you know the, the, the doctors will be there and and the, they're in, they're absolutely incredible. Um you know, the weight loss behavior, even some of the things that we, we that we started to talk about, you know, how do they actually get their patients to do it? You know, how, how do they help their patients with everything they need? I mean, they're really giving the patients tools, they're empowering the patients, but how do you get your patients to do it and stick with it um, long enough to feel the results? Because as we know, once you feel it, it's very easy to stick with it, you know, but in that beginning stage of change, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not always so easy. Yeah. Rich, have you ever tried uh, uh, telehealth visits? I have not, but I, I'm actually thinking about it now. I was also thinking that, oh my goodness, um, when you think about it, uh, you know, maybe my last three visits, like physicals, you know, altogether, I might have spent 30 minutes with a doctor. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I'm, I'm not even, that's that's not hyperbolic. I mean, you just don't see the doctor and have access to someone, you know, let alone someone who's actually trying to, you know, prevent you from being sicker or to actually treat real problems rather than putting a Band-Aid on something things. So uh, I, I absolutely love the idea. I mean, this is really eye-opening stuff. And I, I hope a lot of people see it that way as something that's that's really, you know, uh, amazing and, and beneficial. And and again, how, how much time do you actually get with your doctor here? You know, Glenn was talking about it being a bargain it, compared to what you pay for that 10 minute visit. Uh, you're getting a lot more for your money here. Thank you. Yeah. And and the conversations are are very different, you know. So so there are reasons for sick reasons for sick people, but there's also reasons for people to come in for a wellness checkup because the conversation right. will be totally different, you know. And mm -hmm. and I just have a very simple example. If I go to my regular doctor for my annual physical and my cholesterol is let's say it's 180, right? The doctor is going to say, okay, you're in good shape, Anthony. You know, I'll see you next year, right? Mm -hmm. But here at plant-based telehealth, the, the doctor might say, well, you know, here, your cholesterol is 180. That's not in a danger zone. You're not in a, in a high risk category, but last time you had it checked, it was 175, you know, it's creeping up. And, and if we can turn that around and get your cholesterol down to 150 or even lower, we can pretty much eliminate the chance of you ever having a cardiac event. Right. And, and, and that's where the conversation can change, because back to the point about the traditional doctors, they don't have a tool for somebody with a cholesterol of 180 because right. they're not it's not to the level that requires medication. Right? right. But here with nutrition and lifestyle, they can talk about, you know, how you can do, you know, maybe do some simple walks in the morning or, or in the evening. And, you know, based on what based on what the individual patient you know, eliminate a few things from your diet, add in a few other things from your diet, do these simple steps. And we can basically eliminate the chance of you ever having heart disease. And like, 
that that's still our number one killer, right? Even all through COVID, heart disease was still our number one killer. But the right. problem is we don't have tools to catch it early to prevent it. So even someone coming in for a wellness check is going to have a, it, it, like your whole medical condition is looked at with a completely different perspective. And, um, and they, they love those visits. You know, they, as much as they love the very complicated cases, they really love being able to help people to prevent and to be proactive uh, because that's where the, that's where, that's where the quality of life goes through the roof. Right. Now tell us where plant, where telehealth doesn't work. Obviously, if you're in the middle of having a heart attack, you don't want to schedule a telehealth appointment. So if tell us call, where it doesn't you, work. If you call and say anything like that, we're going to pl say, please hang up and dial 911 immediately. Right. Um, so we do always recommend that the patients keep their, their current primary care doctor. And, um, or if a patient is diabetic, they might recommend that you keep your endocrinologist just for an occasional checkup. Um, but what they will say is, you know, go, you know, let me take over the care. We will adjust your medications. The, you know, the doctors are fully licensed, so they can do all of that. The medications, the testing, they can uh, prescribe, deprescribe, whatever they need to do. But then when you go in for your annual physical, or if you go in for your routine checkup with a specialist, we want them to go, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great. You know, keep, I don't know what you're doing. Keep doing it. Right. Or, or keep doing whatever it is you're doing. Like, That's the like, level of intellectual curiosity we want to see. <laughs> just, you know, maybe we will influence them, Glenn, you know, on the backside, but, but I, right. it doesn't matter at that point, you know, like that's right. enough validation for most patients to know if they say, keep doing what they're doing. And then if you do have a persistent cough, you know, the doctors can't put a stethoscope on your lungs by telemedicine. Right. Um, you know, that's not appropriate. If you suspect that you have an infection, um, the doctors are not going to prescribe you antibiotics on telemedicine because they can't do a thorough enough exam to determine if it's really a bacterial infection that's going to, you know, that's going to benefit from an antibiotic. So in those cases, um, it is recommended that, that people keep a plan for how they would access a local doctor if they required care. If you have a rash on your skin, it's very hard to diagnose over telemedicine, you know, the, these kinds of things. So for some people that's keeping their primary care doc, for other people, that's just knowing where the immediate care center is nearby. Or some people might say, well, if something like that comes up, I'll go to the emergency room and I'll let them take care of me. So as long as the patient has a plan for, for those kinds of things that can't be treated um, by telemedicine, then, um, then everything seems to work really well. Right. Now, of course, one of the tools your doctors use is blood tests, getting the labs, seeing what the patient's uh, state is. Um, but there is a problem in medicine with over-testing. And the problem is that doctors are, are practicing CYA medicine. You know, they're covering their rear ends by making sure that everybody gets tested for everything. And so we have now, uh, for example, an epidemic of people with growths on their thyroid. And it's not that it's not something in the water. It's not that there really is an epidemic of people with growths on their thyroid. It's that so many damn tests are being done that they're seeing growths on the thyroid that they never saw before and everybody lived with them and never knew they had them. Um, is this something that your doctors, and maybe it differs with from doctor to doctor, but is this something that your doctors are trying to avoid to try to avoid over-testing the patients? 
Well, in general, the doctors treat every patient as an individual. I just said in general and as an individual, but what I mean by that is they're very specific in treating the, the patient as an individual, meaning right. they don't have a list of tests that says, okay, when you're 50, you go for the colonoscopy, when you're, right. when you're, you know, you go every X number of years for your colonoscopy or when you're, when you go for your mammogram every X number of years, it's always a conversation and it's right. always, what are your risk factors? What are we going to test you for? And what are we going to learn from in those test conditions, you know, and it's a very, very honest transaction. As much as I don't like patients having to pay out of pocket, there's no, there's nothing, it, it's as honest as can be, right? And in some of the medical systems, you know, maybe that when, you know, we, the, the systems get paid, get paid when people are doing tests and procedures exactly. and, and visits. So, so maybe the fact that it's recommended to have um, a test every, once a year, maybe it is absolutely hundred percent the right thing for that patient. Or maybe it's just the normal thing and it's what the system will cover. So then, then they get ordered. So um, it, would be, it would be up to the doctor and the patient to decide what the test is. And then what are we going to do? The, I think the most important thing is what are we going to do when the results come back? You know, I, I mean, we, we know some doctors in this field, not, not at plant-based telehealth, but I've, I've heard Dr. Furman say before, he said, just assume you have cancer, right? And he says, and do everything you can within your power to keep yourself as healthy as possible so that it doesn't express and it doesn't grow and it doesn't, you know, you know, exactly. get, get big. So, so it's like, what are you going to do if you get the test? Are you going to change your lifestyle? Or are you going to panic? Or are you just going to, or are you just going to live with it anyway? Right. You know, so um, to answer your question very specifically, it would depend on what the doctor and patient figured out together would be normally, but but the test may or may not be covered by insurance, but certainly we don't have anything to do with that. I mean, the order goes through. And then the patient, we always recommend if you're going for testing, even if it's blood work, ask ahead of time, what will be my out-of-pocket expense? Because the, the insurance will cover it, but sometimes there might be some vitamin tests or some, or some vitamin B12 tests that won't be paid, covered by insurance because there's not an appropriate diagnosis of deficiency or, or something like that. So, so we always ask the patients to, to go and ask what your out-of-pocket expense would be for your test. And if it's too much, come back and the doctor will work with them to, um, to figure out what, which tests are, right. are really necessary at that point. Right. But that's, we're not involved. We're not in the middle of that system so that we don't have any other incentive other than just helping the patient to stay well, whether, right. whether a test is ordered or not. Well, at least when there's a conversation, the patient and the doctor can have an informed exchange about the, the positives and the negatives of testing. And there are right. negatives. Sometimes you get information that will not be helpful. Uh, I, I once had 104 fever, and I thought, that's, that's pretty high, 104. I better go to the doctor. I don't like to go to the doctor, but 104 fever, I thought maybe I need an antibiotic. So I went to the doctor. I said, please prescribe an antibiotic for me. He said, first, let's do a chest X-ray. Now, that was not an insane recommendation. It was standard of care. It may have been perfectly reasonable to do a chest x-ray, make sure I didn't have pneumonia or something like that, but I didn't want to do a chest x-ray. And I had a fight with this guy, and I said, no, I'm not doing a chest x-ray. Please write me a prescription. And he said, why won't you do a chest x-ray? And I said, because you're going to tell me I have a black spot in my lung or something. You're going to make me nuts. And he said, if you had a dark spot in your lung, wouldn't you want to know about it? And I said, of course not. <laughs> 
Why would I want to know that? I was feeling fine until I got this 104 fever. Why in the world would I want to know that? Just give me an antibiotic. He gave me an antibiotic. My fever went away. If I have a spot in my lung, I still don't know about it. And, and that's the way to go, because, in my opinion, because who knows what they would have found. I don't want to know. Uh, if, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, I could do better. I could exercise more. I could, my diet could always improve. But I'm eating a low I fat. Could, I could sleep more. I could sleep a lot more. Right. I, mean, I could sleep more too. But I'm eating a low fat, whole foods, plant-based, plant-exclusive diet. I'm putting my trust in that. Uh, you know, I'm at the same weight I was in high school. I don't want to go testing myself. You know, I'm yeah. just not interested in spending my life testing myself. I go to my doctor once a year, see how he's feeling, and that's it. Um, so, um, and if I had a need for further discussions with a doctor, I would go to plant-based telehealth and, well, and, and speak with a doctor who knows what he or she is talking about. Um, so, so I just, if, if you don't mind, I just want to finish my, my, my personal please. transformation part, if that's okay. Please. I only got you guys... I only got you guys to 90 pounds off. and um, That's right. The I, last 70 pounds. What did you do? Wait, was, it, was it some sort of surgery? No. So the short answer is I continued doing what I was doing. Um, uh -huh. But I did start adding exercise. And I do like to uh -huh. point this out, that I lost the first 90 pounds without doing any exercise at all. And uh -huh. when I say no exercise, you know, at this point, I had a toddler and a newborn at home. I had an hour commute each way to work and uh -huh. I was working a, a long hours at my job. I literally didn't have any time to exercise, but, but, um, by after losing that 90 pounds, I had so much energy that I decided I wanted to become a runner. And it, it was crazy to me because I had never ran before. My wife was the runner in our family. I was the one who held her stuff while she <laughs> ran. Like if she needed extra gloves or an extra water bottle, I would, I carried that and I met her somewhere on the course and handed it to her, uh -huh. you know, but, um, but, um, it, it, I just bring that up because the interesting fact is I started running and I couldn't even run a quarter mile. Like when I started, I would get out of breath, but I just ran, walk, ran, walk, ran, walk. And I got to the point where I ran a 5k race, which is three miles. Then I ran a half marathon and I started running a lot, like 30, 35 miles per week. And I continue to lose weight at the exact same rate. So I just want to stress that because I think, I think exercise is critical for health. But I think when people try to start exercising to lose weight, I honestly, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the best approach, especially in the beginning, because it creates feelings of entitlement and it creates feelings of hunger. And if you don't have your habits right, and you and you're and you're feeling hungry or you're feeling like you deserve that extra bagel or you deserve that dessert because you did a little bit of exercise in the morning then i think it i think it screwed me up several times when i tried to lose weight so um doing it backwards this time was huge for me but um it's it so now, now that you could run you're able to chase your wife i take it now i can chase my wife i started passing her and wow even though i was pushing both kids in the stroller and i could beat her at a race Wow. And then, and then she went whole food plant-based. Oh, and now she could run away from you. 100%. That's true. But um, that's what switched her is when she uh -huh. saw, she's like, holy smokes. Like, wait, I'm the runner. 
how is he beating me? And he's pushing this thing. My body was working so incredibly well. It still works incredibly well. You know, so I don't did look she... like a, I don't look like a supermodel, but my body works so well. I'm so proud of how you know how it works. And, um, and did your wife have a health transformation when she went uh, plant based? No, I mean she was always a healthy weight. She was always a healthy okay. person. She didn't have any uh -huh. risk factors, no medications. She always felt uh -huh. pretty good. But uh -huh. but she's in she so she stayed in the same great shape. She didn't shrink up to nothing. She didn't lose 160 pounds off of her right. 110 pound frame. <laughs> you uh -huh. know. Um, but um and but when she switched, then it was very helpful in us raising our kids because our kids are now 16 and 18. You know, we're talking about a long time ago that, that right. we all started. With. And now the kids have been raised from pretty much when they started eating food on a whole food plant based diet. And um, uh, I'm excited for what that's going to do for them as far as their long term health and wellness and, and longevity from never having like I poisoned myself for 30 years. Right. And then I got you know, the, these guys started out that way. And are your sons uh, proud vegans? They 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 are vegans and um, they're not as proud of it as I am. And uh -huh. <laughs> I think it, it's weird because I switched, you know, they never right. switched. Right. Like they, it, to them, it's just normal. It's just like kind of that's how I eat. But like, you know, where I think that someone in high school who made a purposeful decision to go from eating a, 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 you know, a meat diet to a vegan diet would probably be more proud uh -huh. of the switch that they made than, than my kids. They just treat it like this is how I eat. This is just normal. You know, did they, they did they, they ever don't want to highlight it? They don't want to make a big deal about it. They just want right. to, you know, they want to do other stuff. When they were six or eight or 10, did they ever say, daddy, how come I can't have a hamburger? Um, no, they, no. They, they never uh -huh. really did. I mean, they, they never they felt really, deprived. They never felt deprived because we learned how to cook good food at home. Yeah. In fact, when my son Evan was eight years old, I made a, this Dr. Furman has this recipe for this healthy chocolate cake. And Evan wanted to share this with all of his classmates uh, at his eighth birthday party. So the healthy chocolate cake has beets, zucchini, um, apples, pineapple, um, you know, it has, it's loaded up with vegetables and, and fruits, and then it has a little bit of flour and some dates and some um, macadamia cream as a, as a, like a frosting. So I make this cake and it's not easy to make. I mean, you have to shred all these vegetables and stuff to, to put it into this cake and you have to cook it a couple of days ahead of time or else it looks like a vegetable patty, not, not like a cake. So um, we serve this at this eighth birthday party and Evan's like, you guys are gonna love this. It has zucchini and carrots and beets in it. And these kids never saw a beet. You know? <laughs> and and everyone who ate it liked it. But three or four kids just pushed it right out of the way when they first when they heard what was in it, and they never ever touched it. And I made a point of making enough to share with the with the you know the parents because at that age sure. the parents are at the party also. But um. You know, and I think some of those little, like some of those little things that happen probably, you know, tone them down a little bit. Maybe now they're not going to pull that to the foreground. And and I wish they had a yeah. little, you know, I wish they had a little more encouragement from their peers, but, uh -huh. the, but the other kids weren't ready for it. Yeah. And they've been healthy all through their lives on the vegan Very healthy. Diet. I mean, even when we, when we would go to the pediatrician, they say, oh, it's my healthy family. I only get to see you guys once a year. 
and and the reason they go is to get you know they have to get um a checkup for so they can participate in sports at school they, they both right. run as well right yeah. Yeah. well anthony it's a great story where can our listeners find you and and plant-based I mean, telehealth the, the best place is plant-based telehealth.com we're also on facebook we're also on instagram plant-based telehealth or if you want to find me it's a Massiello. My first initial and last name, A Massiello, uh, on um, Instagram, and I share some some tidbits and things that I like that I pick up once in a while. But I think the primary thing is plant-based telehealth. That's what we're really trying to help. Um, you know, that's where we really feel like that we can make a difference for people. Well, it's been great talking with you, Anthony, and I'm rooting for plant-based telehealth to change the face of medicine. So Thank let's you, help. It. Let's it. hope it does yeah. that. Rich, you want to sign us off? Absolutely. Great job, Anthony. I mean, illuminating and inspiring. Absolutely uh, love it and, and love, you know, not only your story, but what you're doing um, as well. It's great stuff. And again, if you want to find out more about the podcast and like and subscribe, I mean, you could subscribe anywhere because our podcast is available anywhere. But the best place to do is go to realmeneplants.com. Click on the podcast page. Click on that support button as well. Take the 30 day challenge. Uh, read the blogs and also go to our YouTube channel and all of that good stuff. So gentlemen, terrific job. Absolutely loved it. And we will see you next time right here on the Glenn Merzer show. Bye-bye.